something about that piano player. <laughs> can't follow along. You <laughs> showing off that last one. Yeah, well, you know, got to get warmed up, you know, it's like, see if you guys are all awake. All right. Well, I'm thankful that uh, we have a talented church that's got beautiful voices, lots of people that know how to play the piano. And thankful for those that have been able to provide music, though, you know, so that even though we do have some wonderful a cappella voices here, too, so... And no, I'm not going to do what Brother Chris was doing about memory verse, although that's a wonderful way to learn. I thank you for that. So turn with me to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be working through here. Uh, we made it through uh, the day of the Lord and day of Christ. We're going to kind of talk a little bit with that, but some uh, points that we want to, want to make sure that the Apostle Paul, uh, as we've seen they're distressed I mean I think if each and every one of us or if, if somebody were to come up to us and with a very charismatic method you know explain to us that no you're in the middle of tribulation it's all starting I think I'd be a little distressed too especially if all, if he started convincing a lot of people sadly guess what that's happening a lot of people today that stood with a pre-tribulation rapture and a pre-millennial return of Christ are changing their positions. And they're very famous people. And they're, they're actually railing on anybody that has a pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm thankful for Brother Chris and on how his pre presentation of, of the day of Christ is always imminent. It could happen at any minute. It doesn't have to have signs and things going on and and you know I mean today if you, if you look at what's going on uh, the attack on Christianity or, or, or attack on any religion that looks to God uh, you think well something's going on well I, I think God is doing something we're in the end times we know about that and so I'd, I'd like to read at least verse 3 and because uh, we might not make it any further than that I don't know but, but let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdonation. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. And Father, we do need to be calm, knowing that you have all of this under control. You know exactly what needs to be done how it will be done. It will be done perfectly and according to your will, your timing, not ours. And no matter how much we think we know uh, of trying to outguess you, Father, you're always one step ahead of your creation. And we thank you, Father, for, the, for that blessing. We thank you that you are taking care of, of your church-age saints and that you're assuring us that we will not go through the tribulation. And Father, that we will meet up with the tribulation saints that come through there and meet with them going into the millennium. And Father, I thank you for this blessing. I thank you for that promise. And that's that blessed hope that you talk about. And we ask, Father, now that you just have your will, your way through this lesson. May it be your words, not ours. May it bring your lesson forward 
as with the Thessalonians, to reteach and re-understand how important it is that we are saved from wrath. But we need to warn others about the coming times. And we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, as we were talking about the, the, the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, you know, back with that, uh, well, let's, let's go back to that topic here. It, and it shows that, you know, the day of the Lord is that time frame from the end of church age through the millennium. And it encompasses the day of Christ, which is for us that judgment that, that we'll have in that time frame. And, and it's important to understand that we are in that top side and we'll be coming back and be, again, part of that day of the Lord. But the day of Christ is for the Christians, the, the church age Christians, the rewards that we'll be getting and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then organizing us because we're going to get to come back. Like I said last week, we're going to learn to ride horses and come, come back with, with the Lord. Uh, with his army. But actually, we'll probably be just on the sidelines watching as he completely destroys everybody. But we'll get into that later. But here, they, they were distressed. They were worried about this. They were, they were scared that they had missed the rapture. And just, I think if, you know, maybe if I was young in, in, in the Lord, and, and I know, and I'm sure each one of us fell in that position, as we were learning and growing in the Lord, there were a lot of things that influenced us and maybe even changed our minds. Um, it, it, it's sad, like I mentioned, that there are some prominent people that are stepping away from the pre-tribulation rapture. They want the church to go through part or all of the tribulation. And Brother Chris pointed out, you know, we're wimps if we don't go through that. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be part of that. I'm thankful that we have that promise. I'm thankful that God has a plan and, it, and his plan is laid out. Like we said, there's two events going on. The day of Christ and then the great tribulation for two different groups. Actually, you could break it up into three. You got the church age saints, the believers, when the church is called out. You've got the Old Testament saints, that are in the ground waiting patiently and then you have all the rest the unbelievers which is you know the the Israel and the unbelievers in well we're going to talk about them I call them professors not possessors you know they profess Christ but they don't possess Christ They're, they don't really believe that and the great tribulation is, as we point out many times is for Israel really is what it really comes down to. It's just that the rest of the world gets caught up in it. So during that time, they're actually, they were deceived. And we know that, um, that the, the church is called not to go through there. And, and there's several reasons why. It's, and in, I'm remembering back all of what uh, Brother Chris talked about and what Pastor talked about, that if the church age believers go through the tribulation then the people that get saved during the tribulation how are we going to be called up separate from them to return with the Lord so it, 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 
it's a bunch of confusion and we know God's not a God of confusion because there's going to be many people in the tribulation that are going to get saved I think if I was unsaved going through there and being ignorant of a lot of things that I'd, I'd see right off, off the bat I, I need to get saved but then knowing that I'm going to get martyred and it's, it's sad in today's world in Muslim countries people that come to know Christ as Savior have just given themselves a death warrant but here the Thessalonians under the same thing uh, they, they essentially signed their death warrant in a lot of cases and so you know those uh, that, that realize that, uh, that the church going through the entire tribulation isn't going to work and scripturally we've shown that then there are those that think that, that, that are going to go part way through it we've shown that as well but you know they just they just can't understand that there's a need for us to be separated from the rest because well jump ahead real quick on this this time frame right there this is the end of the church age right here when that happens this is what the apostle Paul's talking about things have to happen Things have to start going on that will set things in motion. We have to leave because when we leave, we're going to see down in, in uh, verse 4 that the ministry of the Holy Spirit or the, the way he's working on the earth is going to stop. And can you imagine? We're right now, we have people that are calling for the defunding of police. They don't want any policing actions. Can you imagine if there were no police? I mean, you think Chicago's bad. <laughs> Just imagine when there's no police out there. It's the Wild West all over again. And you might as well get, well, if you can find any ammunition and a gun, you might as well <laughs> set yourself up for it if, that, if this is the case that we're going to go through it. But we know that we're not going through there. We know that... that all through church history, you look in Daniel, he, he laid out his vision. And, and, in, and the, the, the prophets laid out what was going to go on during this, the tribulation time leading up to that. And, and in Matthew, uh, Christ taught what was going to go on. And now Paul's teaching this such that uh, we're, we ought to realize that ours is indeed a heavenly hope. We're not to be occupied with the events and conditions down here. We are to an extent that we, we have to live here until we're called out. But we're not to get caught up in such a way that when people, well, going on in the Middle East, uh, you know, the government's going to take away our right to assemble and on and on and on and say, oh, we're in that time now. No, we're not to be caught up in such a way, but we're, we need to understand the importance of what that time is. But why are we even studying this? Why did they even write it down in the Bible? Well, it's kind of like letting somebody know that, that, there, that there's a bridge out ahead. And, the, and if they go through that, it's dangerous. They're going, something's going to happen to them. Well, as Christians on this earth, we need to warn people about what's going on in the tribulation time how to avoid that because likely when they go through that and they don't get saved 
they've just sealed their fate. When they die, they've sealed their fate if they don't know Christ. And we need not to be distressed and deceived, but to understand God has complete control. Sometimes we wonder, God, do you, do you, are, do you really have control of this? Well, if we stop and think about it, yes, he does. We look at that. You know, he hasn't changed the raising of the, of the sun and the setting of the sun. He hasn't changed the tides, although when a storm comes by, it, it gets mixed up pretty good. But he knows exactly what's going on. And I, I love how throughout history, God has chosen to intervene when he needs to. And, you know, for people that enjoy the science side of creation, uh, there was a, um, an article written by a physicist who talked and showed how God changed or intervened in some ways. He added energy as he needed in, into the universe. Like when, when he started the universe in motion, he had everything all set up, and then when man decided to sin, he said, well, I've got to take care of this problem, and had the flood. And they say that if you were to look at the amounts of energy that was expended, brought in, and, and positioned, it was amazing. Because people talk about the uniformity of things going from the beginning until the end and all this, this nice straight line. Now this guy has a graph and it really looks interesting. He says, well, God put in this amount of energy and this amount of it's being used. And, you know, like the, the law of the thermodynamics, you can either uh, create or destroy. God can do it if he wants to. And he adds it in and it keeps going down. And then God got to the flood and he added the amount of energy back up again. And it was almost a straight drop. And then it came back down. Because they were talking about earthquakes. And they were talking about things happening. They didn't have rain before, so we had different amounts of way the water worked and it's slowly working its way down and he he has this curve and it's following down and you know throughout history we had some ice ages so we made some energy changes and it was a very interesting article and uh, the scientists really liked it because it, it, it explained things in such a way uh, that they said oh all right well maybe it's not as uniform as we thought you know, this guy was, uh, he was a, a doctorate. He worked at uh, Sandia Laboratories in Los Alamos. Um, and he's, he's part of the Institute for Creation Research. And it's uh, a, a series that he wrote in there. And, and, and it, it just gives you a little bit of an insight, adding to like what people talk about a commentary. But he brought it from a scientific perspective. And it was very interesting. God has that absolute control. And he knows exactly the time frame that he wants to go through. That's why it's important for us to, to study and to present all of what's going, uh, all of the scriptures, including prophecy and end times, and, and no, need to, we, we, you know, he knows that we have short memories. Some of us have better recall than others, but man has a very short memory. I mean, Thessalonians, they were taught about the rapture, what was going to happen. But some of them were misunderstood how he was presenting that. And that, that we need to, to just to be aware that the next event in God's plan is the rapture of the church. So when we, when we think on that, we're going to see that Paul had to re-instruct re or reteach the Thessalonians. And this is where 
verse three, verse three sets up a uh, a close to the present age, and he's trying to let them know this is you've been saved, and this hasn't occurred yet. It's imminent. Means it can happen at any moment. It is not as like when it's going to happen. These the others are are have been foretold. Because back in the Old Testament, the church was a mystery. And so the last times, the, you know, the, the, the last days, uh, how it's presented for the end of the present or the church age is important because Israel at that time is going to start. Well, they won't realize it until they get into there and there's a definite distinction that needs to be made. And we pointed that out several times that the church and Israel are not, not interchangeable. We're two different entities. We're set up for God's purpose. The church is the saints that are going to come back and be there. So we don't need to be distressed or deceived, but we need to, to know that as, as we look at this, that the day shall not come except there come a falling away. And when we look at that, his falling away is the beginning of the, or the timing that's going to go on. Now, some people say, well, is, isn't that really what's going on now? Well, yeah, we have a lot of people that are falling away from church. Uh, I read somewhere just recently they commented about there's less than 40% of the population attends church. Well, part of that's because you can't go to church in some states. It's not, it's mandated that you can't assemble. Well, thankfully, we listened to what the governor said and we said, okay, we can do this. You know, we have a maximum limit of 49 people in this, for this uh, facility. Well, if you count the adults, we're under 25. You look at that. Oh, there's a few days we've been above it. But we need to know that it's not that he's going to soon appear to the end of the church, but this falling away comes in where um, there'll be those that have been attending church. It's kind of been going on, but it'll be closer and closer. And just think when all the Christians are pulled out and those that have been going to church and we call them professors they they say that they know Christ they say that they've been born again but they don't have Christ as their savior they're left behind that series that Tim LaHaye uh, wrote you know and and all of a sudden people were looking around and I don't know if there's going to be a pile of clothing you know I can just imagine you know pile of clothing glasses hearing aids Jewelry, you know, uh, who knows? That we don't know what's going to happen. They're just not going to be there, you know. And when we talked about in Corinthians about getting that new body, you know, of course you don't want this clothing on because, in twinkling of an eye, we're going to go from one place to another. These clothes aren't going to make it. <laughs> That's why those new robes are going to be nice, <laughs> you know. Can you imagine going out for a space walk with just you know your regular clothes? Uh, you're gone instantly. Uh, but we're going to get that. But can you imagine the thought of people 
come to the church a day like any other day. I think uh, Tracy Dart wrote a song called A Day Like Any Day, Any Other Day. And it was just kind of led into what was going to happen. When people walk through the door, they don't see the people that are usually there. People that are there every day. People that always talk about the Lord, that are excited about the Lord and about his coming. They're not there. Can you imagine what they're, what they're going to think? I've been lied to. Well, I'm saved. I grew up in this household. I've been baptized. You know, any whatever reason they can come up with. They just don't, don't have Christ in their heart. And, and I'm sure we know people that will look you with a straight face and tell you that they know Christ. They've been going to church for years, but they just don't have, they're not born again. And it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's probably the, the, the saddest thing in the world to think that you're born again. You know, what they say in Matthew, Lord, Lord, look at what I've done. And he says, depart, I know you're not. That the nature that's going on there, there there's, there's the possessing church and Israel. We talked about that being definitely two distinct entities. Then you have those of the, the true church, the believers that have Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're no longer here. And then you have the professing church, those that are looking around wondering what happened. Now, some of them are going to, on the spot, realize that they missed, that they know that they need to get saved. They'll make a profession and ask Christ to save them and live as if he is saving them and then realize that that they need to to be to do what's there and, and then be able to read okay that now I know what I'm going to go into we're into that end time and that apostasy that's there there's going to be some that are going to go into this that were in a lot of those churches um, for instance first uh, Timothy 4 Verses 1 and 2, Paul was writing to Timothy about this. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created and to, uh, to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know the truth. There are those that have taught that truth. We know of some church, uh, of, of organizations that, that teach in this way. Some in there know Christ as Savior. A great many of them are not going to. Can you imagine what thought's going to go through their mind? Like I said, some are going to realize, okay, I, I, I know I need to be serious about this. Maybe it's not too late for me. Maybe I can make it to heaven. I need to have Christ in my life knowing that as they go through there goes I guess this is the truth I'm going to have to die I'm going to die I'm going to die for what I believe it's like today ask us are we willing to die for what we believe if somebody were to decide to come in and decide that you know I'm just going to wipe this church out like has happened in, in some instances are you willing to die don't know until I get there it's like if you're in war, you're given all the training and necessary, but then when that enemy pops up, can you kill them? 
or are you willing to die for that? It's a question that you won't be able to answer until it happens. But those of us that have Christ, that know him as our personal Lord and Savior, we are looking for that hope. When we're gone, those left behind are going to go into things that, of, of, as, as verse uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy says, this know also then last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that, uh, of that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We have a lot of people today that are that, that way. They're presenting themselves. Makes you wonder, are they going to go through this? Are they going to be the ones that are in there? Well, I was reading where it's very probable that a lot of these people are going to walk completely away from, they're just going to leave their Bible and go, I guess I wasn't, it was all a lie as far as I'm concerned, and then just walk away from it. Having been taught what's, been, what's going to happen, some are going to walk in essentially blind, thinking, well, yeah, I can, I can make my way through there. It's not going to be that bad. After all, look at what history's done. You know, what Hitler did to the Jews, and they came out okay. Oh, look what, you know, happened at various times throughout history. But Paul wanted them to understand that, no, you are not here yet. You're not being called out. And the timing of this is, is such that people that are left are going to fall away from this. They're going to believe this man that we're going to talk about here a bit, the, this man of sin. He's going to be the very charismatic. And it, it's interesting, you know, if, if you think of somebody that is well-versed in everything, he has an answer and can show them that what he is presenting is going to happen. And this is how it needs to happen. He has an answer for the economy. He has an answer for warfare. He ha you know, all this stuff and looks the perfect candidate for, for this one world government that he's going to eventually take over. He's going to sign a truce with, with Israel. He's going to be, make peace, 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 peace. Well, a lot of people, you know, down through history, they've named all sorts of people that could have fit that. Um, and it, 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 it's amazing. There, there have been some people that have been very charismatic. You know, some wanted to think Donald Trump was him. <laughs> we didn't elect him for his personality. We elected him for what he knew. <laughs> He wasn't our savior. He just had knowledge of business and applied it. Well, this person they're talking about here, you know, he's going to set up things. He goes, I oh, don't worry about that church stuff. He says, yeah, we, we'll, we'll work that out. You know, set up their high-minded religious guy. But he's going to be given some interesting powers. And they're not going to be from God. You know, 
interesting it, t it talks about how satan has has been restrained he's going to be such that uh, uh he can only go so far well the same thing here it's just that he's going to be allowed like he did with job only he's going to have a puppet of his own that he can manipulate the whole world and they're going to start as we, we find out later he's going to be convincing the to be believing but there's going to be a denial of God a denial of Christ a denial of Christ's return there's going to be a denial of any faith you know oh don't you know this church oh, if, if you want to go come on you can you can go this then eventually he's going to force them into a type of religion then he's going to force it upon them but he's going to be a denial of sound doctrine how many churches have we seen throughout history that have been in very good shape and then all of a sudden started denying things you know seven of them that we get laid out in the book of revelation there was always something there there's a, a denial of a separated life can you imagine um many of us have influence on people around us and when people are around us they don't act they, they really act differently than their own. I, I'll give you an example. When I was teaching at sub-school, um, they were addressing smoking in buildings and things like that. Well, I didn't smoke, so I, I just explained to the other three men in my uh, division that I'm not allowed smoking in the office. I said, if you want to smoke, you go outside. And I said, I'd really prefer it if you would figure out how not to be around the students and smoke, because some of them don't like it. Hey, they said, that was fine. I can work with that. I didn't drink, so I didn't go to their liquid lunches with them. I didn't swear. So the language level in that the office got better. Attitudes actually got better. And uh, my future son-in-law used to come down and visit me. He was teaching with missile technicians on the upper part of the base. And he, he liked the attitude. You know, I'd show him things about diesel engines that, he thought was pretty good and ran him through the lab and stuff. And when I left to go to my last command before retiring, he, uh, I ran into him at, when we went back up uh, from when my first grandson was born. And he says, you know, he says, you know those guys down there where you were teaching? He says, you wouldn't recognize. He said, they're as debauched as can be he says you had some influence down there so don't be too surprised if your influence is keeping people from acting out they want to be right around you maybe we need to be the right example maybe that's why we need to tell others about what could happen if they don't have Christ as their savior and th there's a, a denial of morals people's morals you know I mean I was accused of not being a, a good sub sailor because I had decent morals I said well how do they act have you ever met one before well no that's what I've heard you know you, you, you don't carouse you don't you know first off you, you smell like you've had a shower <laughs> one thing about diesel boats and well actually about any submarine the amine on there is very permeating into the skin and I don't care how often you bathe if you're around somebody and you've been on a submarine they're going to be taking a step away from you because well amine smells like 
septic tank. That's probably the best way to put it. It goes away after time. You know, I've been retired now 30 years, and I still open a book, and every once in a while, that, a faint whiff of that will come out. That's how permeating it is. But think of it. That's what sin does in our bodies. That's how God looks at sin. A very repugnant smell. And, and it's important. So we need to know that there'll be a complete apostasy. Anything dealing with God, with Christ, with his coming, they're going to try to push that completely away. They're trying it now. But we know that we're not in those times. Because, well, first off, we're still here. We're still teaching the Bible. Eventually, the Bible is going to be completely outlawed. Can you imagine that? You can't teach it. You can't talk. People are trying to do that now. But that's not happening. And I'm thankful. Thankful that we're here to tell people about that. And that's, the, that's probably the most important thing that we have. Because this revealing of the Antichrist, when he comes up on the scene, like I said, he's going to be a man that, that is going to, well, verse 4, we can start to that. He'll oppose and exalt himself above all. When Christ was here, did he exalt himself? No. He was quiet. He presented, he presented what he needed to present. When he was challenged, he would say, you know, you said so. You know, he, he'd ask questions like, whom do people think that I am? He came as our Savior. The next time he comes, he's going to come as the judge and the king of all kings, setting him up, up here. So as we, we look at this, the man of sin that's coming up, he'll be revealed. And there's a, there's a few things that I want to show about him and why it's important that he's not here right now. Although we look around us, we see sin. We see things going on. We've realized that sin has crept into the church. And it's important that as Christians that we hold ourselves accountable. We hold our morals. People say, oh, you're so high and mighty. No, we're just living by what God has told us to live by. Sometimes it's going to anger people. And sadly, it's, it, I know it's created some problems for a lot of us. But it's important that we realize that there's a denial of everything standing for God when this apostasy comes around. There'll still be a church. They'll still call up all sorts of things, but they won't, they won't be standing for, for Christ. They'll deny everything. And they'll even make the rapture, they'll try to call it a lie. They'll call it, you know, come up with all sorts of excuses to try to distract people away from that. So people need to know that there'll be a falling away, more so than what we've ever seen. And thankfully, we won't be here for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for the promises that you show us in your word. Thank you that you know exactly the timeline that is going on. And thankfully you haven't revealed it to us. You've given us some signs that we can be watchful for, that we can warn people about. But Father, when we're called out of this life and to be presented righteous before you and be judged we need to know that we have 
left the people behind, given them all the information that we could possibly give that glorifies you, that gives them the truth. And if they deny that, then that is on them and not on you. And Father, we thank you. We praise you for all that you do. And we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.